Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of the Lob Jam, the podcast. The normal crew, Rob and Dr. Schaff, are not with us today. We have a special trade deadline discussion uh, today. I will be your co-host, Lucas Han. I'm here with Mike Jaglin of Clipcast fame, a proud member of the 213 Hoops family. Mike, before we get into talking about guys that maybe could be joining the Clippers in the next couple of weeks, we're actually hearing that, that there are a couple new members of Clipper Nation already. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what's up with that, Mike? I've got two, new, two, two freshly uh, new Jaguar Cubs, okay? <laughs> They're in the den. They're in the den. My hands were dirty. Um, I've got sparks coming at me. I've got green, brown, you name it. Oh. And I, I, I'm just, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm so stoked, uh, you know, that we have the Cubs. I mean, the, having the Cubs and having them become part of Clipper Nation, they already have their onesies. They're already ready. Uh, I, I, I'm really excited. And this has really, you know, taken a lot of my time prepping. Uh, and now that we're here, they're over a month old, um, getting everything settled. But, you know, the trade deadline is upon us, Lucas, and two one three hoops is launching. You know, let's let's get this thing started because I man, we have some juicy, juicy topics we can talk about with scenarios and the the landscape in general. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, congratulations to you and your wife, of course, uh, for the for the twins. But yeah, like you said, let's Thank get you. right into it. So, uh, for for listeners of the Law of the Jam, you know that on this week's episode, Robert Chap and I spent a good deal of the episode answering. Um, listener questions and it was it was funny mike i don't know if, if you've um had a chance to listen to that episode yet but almost every question that we got was worded slightly differently but boiled down to at the trade deadline do the clippers need a point guard more do they need a power forward more or do they need a center more and we talked about this a bit um in in the episode over the weekend and you know i'll talk i'll kind of reiterate what i was saying in that episode in our discussion today but i want to know from you what do you think the big priority should be for the Clippers at this trade deadline? I mean, a, it, theoretically, it should be, you know, uh, center or uh, point guard. But I don't feel like the market allows that, not to, like, punk out on this, but I, I feel best available, available wing might actually suit them uh, the best and then hope for buyout market. Uh, my, my problem is, like, what point guards are out there that are actually mm-hmm. going to get playing time, you know, that, that are outside of your, like your, your um, DJ Augustins, who's, who's actually hurt. You, you know, you have your Ish Smith, you know, uh, those types of guys. And then Darren Carlson who has been rumored to possibly come out of retirement. Um, there aren't many guys that are going to take that role or do much with it. And I don't think they're going to give up anything for someone like that. Uh, the true holiday, I, I don't uh, I know if that's going to happen. And then if we look at the centers, and I know we've talked about this all year, Stephen Adams, okay, so he's winning. Why would they trade him now? Uh, Gasol, uh, you know, Abaka, uh, all of these scenarios, especially those two teams, those are the two teams we thought were going to be sellers at the deadline, and now they, you know, they could buy. Um, but are there centers out there besides like your Deadmans and whatnot that would really, you know, strike and move the ball downfield like but if you get an Iguodala if you get a a Marcus Morris or some type of wing like that I feel and this is just my thinking I think the team becomes 
better from a perspective that you have the Lakers, you have the Nuggets, you have the Jazz. They all have giant centers. Make those teams play to your strength. And, I, you know, we, we, we kind of estimated coming into the season that the wings would be the strength of the Clippers, which it has been. And, you know, we know health hasn't been. But that is one of the things that, you know, LeBron has had issues with all year to most of, most of the teams they've lost to. And if you look at it, if we're able to get a guy like that and you can move, you know, Marcus Morris once in a while into the five, you move Trez into the five, you move Jamichael into the five, I think having all those wings could really throw a lot of these teams off. So I'm, I'm almost, I'm almost looking at let's if we can't get a point guard or a center that we're happy with, let, let's get our best available win. Okay, so I you you mentioned a couple of names in there. I want to throw another name at you that I think falls into what you're talking about. You think Robert Covington is a guy that the Clippers might look at at this deadline? Yes, I do, and I I really like uh, Rocco. I know a lot of people are down because he. He, he's been cold here and there, but he's, you know, you've mentioned, you know, he's an elite defender. So you're adding in another elite defender to a team with the three first team, all defensive guys. Um, and he's also a guy that, that can definitely draw attention. And I feel like that is our biggest issue. Even though we love Mo Harkless in regards to everything he does on the, does on the uh, defensive end, we're really starting to realize that, okay, this could be an issue in the playoffs. You know, I mean, yeah. we, we remember back in the day, remember back in the day, even though, you know, Luke used to kind of be that way, that when Luke has the ball, you're like, oh no, mm-hmm. nothing's really going to happen. He's, he's going to clamp you down, but it, is, this gonna, is this going to, you know, hurt us? And early on, I think when, when trade rumors of Harkless came up because Mo played such an integral part early in the season, uh, a lot of people were, 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 oh, we can't trade Mo for Marcus Morris, so we can't. Well, you want to know something? Like, and, I, and I thought the same thing back then. Marcus Morris is a good damn basketball player. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> he, he can play, you know, he's more of a four. He, he could, you might be able to plug him in a really small ball five. He can play defense. You have to guard the man. And he can take you in the post. And I, I think having another offensive threat in that, in that sense would really help this team. I'm not saying that he's the guy that puts him over the top, but I, it, we need more of an, of an upgrade because I, I feel like at times the role players that we've brought in, um, you know, add Magruder to that. Um, we know Jerome has not done much. Um, with his time, even though he's been given so many chances, the role players kind of hurt this team when we do this load management and we miss PG out for an extended time. So I, I think it's very vital for the front office to look and be like, okay, we're going to shorten this thing down to probably nine guys, you know, max mm-hmm. once we get yeah. to the playoffs. But who is out there that we know that can play, you know, max 20, 25 minutes from time to time you know, various positions that it can play defense one, but also put the ball in the bucket. I mean, have you, haven't you been concerned about some of the role players, you know, consistent numbers, especially even sham up to a certain point, but he seems to be coming around. Yeah. I mean, so, so I think these guys like Jerome and Rodney obviously are not having good seasons, Um, especially, you know, Jerome, maybe expectations were a little bit lower, but Rodney's a guy who was a starter on a 500 team in Miami last year. You think, would be a little more capable than he's shown this season with the Clippers. But here's what I've been looking at is I actually went 
a couple days ago, I was thinking about this exact topic and I looked at the minutes per game that each of the Clippers important players played in the postseason last year. And I looked at the guys who you think would really make up the Clippers perimeter rotation when um, sort of, you know, probably Jerome and Rodney get cut out when the playoffs come. So that's going to be Pat, Lou, uh, Shamit, Paul George, and Kawhi, right? Those five guys are the guys who you figure are going to be playing the most. And those five guys in the playoffs last year averaged a combined 170 minutes per game. So to do the math really quickly, um, that means that you get 144 point guard, small forward and power or point guard, shooting guard and small forward minutes. These five guys are playing 170 minutes total. So even keeping those five guys all at the same workload that they were at last postseason, you're covered at point guard, you're covered at shooting guard, you're covered at small forward, and you've got about half of the game playing small with Kawhi at power forward. You know, Jermichael Green probably picks up the other half of those minutes of power forward. And so, you know, it's kind of a situation where I just feel like, for me, and, and you know, I'll answer the question that, that I had originally posed to you, point guard, power forward, or center. I think it has to be center because I think the Clippers have the pieces that they need to do what they are going to, you know, I just don't, here's my thing with the point guard edition. Like you were saying, who's out there that's going to be the guy? Because sure, if you can go swing for the fences at Drew Holiday or Kyle Lowry or Chris Paul, right? Go and do that by all means. Like have my blessing to go make one of those deals. Yeah. But if you're going to go get DJ Augustine, it's a guy that, that I know we've talked about before. You're going to have to trade something because he makes $7 million. So it's not like you can swap, you know, Patrick Patterson for him or something. And at the end of the day, I don't see DJ Augustine playing playoff minutes for the Clippers because like I said, you've got 144 minutes across those three perimeter positions and they've already got guys who are way better than DJ Augustine, you know, kind of penciled in for 170 minutes. So, and you know, that's a little bit of my concern at power forward too, although I can see where a guy like Marcus Morris helps the team. I even think if you get a guy who's as good as Marcus Morris has been this year, and uh, you know, I think maybe it's worth noting, like, he's scoring 19 points a game and shooting 47% from three. Like this isn't Boston Marcus Morris. He has shown himself to be a different monster on the offensive end of the court this year. If you bring in a guy like that, well, maybe you say we aren't going to play Kawhi at the four in the playoffs anymore because like Patrick Beverly, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Marcus Morris might be a better four man unit than Patrick Beverly, Landry Shamit, Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard are. So that's where I can see maybe if you can get a guy like Marcus Morris, that might be good. Um, but even with a guy like, like Covington, who I really like, or Iguodala, who obviously brings that championship pedigree and all the gravitas, right? The Clip, there's just not an urgent need for another wing on this team, another perimeter player. What there is an urgent need for, when I watch the games, what I see is they just do not have a guy who – frankly, I trust or who I think Doc Rivers trusts closing games at center. I think they would love to get someone who can protect the rim and space the floor. Now, like you said, it's hard to go figure out where that guy is going to be and what the cost is going to be to bring in someone like that. But for me, if I'm the Clippers, I'm thinking center is, is definitely what they need to target. Do you, I mean, do you feel the same way sort of with that need at center or are you a little maybe more confident in Zoo and Trez than I? Well, well, I mean, I'm, I don't think there's going to be anything in the market 
unless you move Trez, that is going to give you a significant upgrade at center, uh, just realistically. Um, and that's okay. why I, I, I and, and that's why I was I, I was saying like, okay, if if we're not going to be able to get a Gasol or an Ibaka or a Stephen Adams or someone you're confident in. Um, I mean, I, I, I need to see. I, I don't even know if the way De- I don't even know if Deadman's that guy. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that, no, it's, it's very, it's it's very similar to the point guard. It, it, yet that that center position has become so. You know, it, it, it's it isn't what it was once was. So you have, you know, Alex Lenz out there. I mean, I know you don't. You're not a fan of Alex Lenz, <laughs> but that that that's what's out there. I mean, like he's, he's is another guy that's in that conversation, but I would agree with you that yeah. these players are all kind of at a tier that is not super exciting, right? But it, here's where, where I sort of draw the difference between um, – I mean, we can pick out from these bunch of guys that we're talking about, right? Let's pick out mm-hmm. DJ Augustine and Dwayne Dedman. I think that, that they're maybe sort of on similar levels for me um, in terms of capability at their positions, I guess, to, to you know, put it vaguely. But for me, the Clippers are not in a position of weakness at point guard to need to go chase a guy like DJ Augustine. And I feel like the Clippers are in a position of weakness at center to go after a guy like Dwayne Dedman, even if it's not, you know, he's not going to be the sure thing. But go after a guy like Dwayne Dedman or Gorgie Zhang or, you know, even if it's Alex Len, if that's who the scouts like, right? Um, I mean, I would keep my eye on Serge Ibaka maybe is more likely to move than Mark Gasol or Steven Adams, but whoever that guy is. Aaron Baines. What about Aaron Baines? I mean, there was a lot of talk, you know, earlier in the year um, of him. Uh, he's, he's on an expiring too. See that, that's the thing. I feel like, I, I feel like a Baines or a Len. Um, I mean, and especially Deadman because he has what, like uh, 12 million due next year. Yeah. Um, those are probably you're like, yeah, so, so those those guys are probably like your most three gettable, and probably Bain, Baines probably has the, the the you probably have to package the most for him, even though he's expiring. Um, but you know, Andy's behind uh, Aiton now, so he's not yeah. seeing he's not seeing the time. So I I think those are probably in a realistic world the three guys that you can get without like maybe even giving up a pick. Right, I mean, you could probably give up a second rounder for for Deadman and in uh, Len for sure. I mean, I I think um, for I, for Dead because you you got to think about what's going how the salaries are going to work in a trade like this too, right? So let's say Harkless for Deadman straight up as a trade works. If I'm the Clippers, I want something from the Kings for that because mm-hmm. Deadman yeah. is yeah, yeah, really yeah. Deadman is dead weight for them right now, and he's got two more years left on his contract, although the last year is a partial guarantee. And so, you know, Mo Harkless, even, even if Deadman has his resurgence and he's Atlanta Hawks, Dwayne Deadman again, he's probably, I don't know if he's a better player than Mo Harkless is. It's certainly a positional need for the Clippers. So I would understand why they might make a trade like that. But um, Deadman, I think is Deadman's the one guy on my list who I think if the Clippers called right now and offered Harkless for Deadman straight up, the Kings would say yes, hang up the phone, and throw a party, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I think the Clippers get more out of a deal like that. Baines is a little trickier for me just because the way, the way that he fits into Phoenix's rotation and they like him, even, uh, you know, even though he's a guy who's a little bit older. 
and he makes, you know, he's right at like 6 million. And so it's not a, not a perfect match for a Harkless trade. And then I think another thing, well, maybe I think this is a good transition for us while we're on this topic, because one of the things that concerns me is the Clippers potentially bringing in a center, um, Dwayne Dedman or Aaron Baines, right? A guy who will, the Clippers will expect to be a contributor and who probably himself coming in will expect to be getting minutes, but having Zubats and having Trez on the roster already. And these names that we're, that we're saying right now are not guys who I feel super confident in playing alongside one of those existing centers for the Clippers. So, I mean, do you, could you see a situation where, um, like, you know, the, it's kind of been talked about with Baines that the Clippers would send like Zubats or Trez to Phoenix for Baines. I don't like it. I think that that's bad value for the Clippers for those guys, but I know. Can you see a situation if the Clippers are bringing in one of these guys we're talking about that they're also sending out one of the two guys that they have now? I don't think they're going to say, I, I think it's stupid to send out Zubats. And, I, you know, I mean, you, you just committed that all that, uh, that time and money. He's already, he's, you, you know, he's, we see him developing. It's not like, you know, he, he played a few games and just kind of went to the bench and comes out here and there. He's had some pretty stellar games and, um, I think a lot of fans and a lot of writers uh, want to see more of Zubats, but there's also times out there, you know, when it, he does still look young. Um, he is still a work in progress. Um, but I don't, I don't feel like you would trade him for, for uh, Baines or Deadman or ship him out like that. And, you know, getting back on that Trez, I don't think they're going to trade him, but I know a lot of people have it out there. It, it, it's, it's possible. And, if he is shipped, you would think a big, some some kind of big would come back in in either a, in a straight up deal or a three way deal with some kind of you know young upgrade. They, I mean, they're not going to just trade Trez just because like last year they they, brought, they got a great offer for Toby and were able to fleece you know uh, the Sixers. But I I don't I don't see uh, you know subtracting one of those in. I mean. What other guys I, – I, I would honestly, too, call a team like Philly that has, like, 80 bigs and be like, hey, you know, what do you want for Kylo Quinn? <laughs> you know, <laughs> start thinking like that. But, but, it, but, those, but that's – those are, you know, more realistic yeah. options. You know what I mean? Like, no, a guy like no. Kylo Quinn would, would come in and play, like, five, ten minutes here and there and be that – you know, that's probably the kind of guy – that you know, you'd probably want to target of these teams that have log jams of bigs. That's why I'm throwing Philly out there. You know, they have too many bigs and not enough guards. Um, so you know, that might be a place that you can say, "Hey, we'll, we'll swap you O'Quinn for J- Jerome Robinson." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, maybe. I do that in our. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm yeah. just trying to think of like where are these at least useful useful bigs if we can't get. You know, uh, you know, Adams or Ibaka or Gasol, and we're not happy what we're giving up for a Deadman or a Len or a Bynes, um, Baines. Um, what can we plug in that will, you know, be useful? Like if you look at the, what the Lakers have done with the White all year, they just plugged him in and he worked out. We're, we're not looking for a guy to get, you know, a, a ton. A ton out of them we just need to get a run so we're not just so thin uh you know once we once we get into the playoffs yeah I, i'm kind of thinking about 
the Clippers center need though is like I feel like the front office needs to give Doc Rivers someone who he can trust to anchor the defense down the stretch of playoff games. So that's someone who's going – this is where I think Montrez Harrell – love Montrez Harrell. I know I've been critical of him a lot lately, and, and people aren't super happy with me. I love Montrez Harrell. Montrez Harrell mm-hmm. has very poor defensive positioning. When he guards pick and rolls, he turns his hips the wrong way so that he has to turn around 180 degrees and then go chase the roll man. When he's playing help defense, his hips are in the wrong direction, right? So he's, he's not making good reads. He's not in good position. And he's a guy who, frankly, both against the premier centers in the NBA, but also just as a team defender defending pick and rolls, I don't trust down the stretch of playoff games. And Zubats, I think, has better positioning than Trez. But he, you know, you, you said his youth shows sometimes, and that's certainly true. Mm-hmm. I feel like his, his feet are just slow sometimes. And he's really good yeah. for what the Clippers need from him, right? 18 to 24 minutes, start both halves, be the big guy, get some rebounds, catch those pick-and-roll passes from Kawhi Leonard, clog up the lane. I like Zubats a lot. I, I, we, you know, we had a mid-season grades piece that came out today, and I wrote about Zubats, and I said that I kind of have these two – contradicting conclusions about Zubats from what we've seen this year. The first is that he's a really solid starting center in the NBA. And the second is that he does not have the versatility that he needs for the Clippers to trust him closing games in the playoffs. And so that's where, you know, you talk about a guy like Kylo Quinn. I think the Clippers don't really need a guy to come in and play 10 minutes a game at center because Trez and Zoo can cover the 48 minutes fine. I think the Clippers need an upgrade over one of those guys. Um, and I kind of agree with you that Zubats, being 22 years old, being on that four-year team-friendly deal, not sure what's going to happen with Trez and free agency this summer. I would rather hold on to a guy like Zubats, but I can also see Montrez Harrell having – I think Montrez's trade value might be a lot lower than his on-court value because of that contract yep. status. And, I mean, this doesn't have to be – yeah. yeah, this doesn't have, have to be the Montrez Harrell free agency special, right? We're talking about – the trade deadline, but mm-hmm. I do think that any team trading for Trez is going to be thinking, well, do we want to pay this guy $18 million next summer, $20 million next summer, $25 million next summer? And if the answer to those questions is no, they're not going to give up very much to get him from the Clippers. Um, and so I think the Clippers are, are, you know, they end up in a little bit of a bind at the center position where you want to go get a guy who gives you another option to close games. The guys who are attainable, um, whether it's a Zhang or a Deadman or a Baines, not necessarily the guys who you super trust in that situation more than a guy like Subato tries, right? Those are all kind of replacement level backup guys. And then you put yourself in a position if you're getting someone you probably have to be losing someone too to keep the rotation balance, right? Because the other thing is, let's say you trade Mo Harkless for Dwayne Dedman, you're adding a third string center and you're losing like your third best wing. So that doesn't really yep. make a lot of sense from a roster construction standpoint. So, I mean, it, it, it's really tricky. Um, and I, maybe well, one of, one of uh, the things, yeah, go ahead. No, 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 no. I, you finish yours because I'm, I'm going to throw something at you. And I, yeah. I think it's something we, 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 we should sit on and think about not saying it's going to happen. Keep going. And, and, no, I mean, I was, I was about to transition us, so you got something to say on this, say it. Okay. Okay. We're talking about centers. We haven't mentioned Andre Drummond. 
And it's a, it's a unique – the reason why I'm throwing him out there, we know he's you know an all-defensive guy. He's a, he's, a, he's a rebounding gobbler. He's great with pick and rolls. Um, he, he is a turnover machine, and you can call him lazy at times. That I, I really think that as we lead up to the trade deadline, Detroit knows he's going to be gone, right? I mean, he's, he's going to go somewhere if it's Atlanta in the offseason, if it's New York, if it's, you know, he's going to go somewhere. So at what point, at what point do you call Detroit? And this is probably something that happens while we're asleep or, <laughs> you know, right before the deadline. No, seriously, like, but this is something I think that the front office probably has on their, like, list of scenarios because he could theoretically be had for salaries and like Jerome Robinson at the end of the day, because of the way this market is, you know, for him and the Kevin loves and, and guys like that, a lot of these teams aren't going to give up first round picks, especially for a guy that's expiring on his contract or you're not interested um, or invest a young player uh, and, or um, so I think I really feel like it would not shock me if they if they somehow brought in Drummond. It would not shock me. Um, now, what, what would that what would that entail? That we'd have to send Mo, uh, Jerome, and what like probably Magruder to get not that enough. done. That so here's not my enough. Thing with, here's my here's my thing with Drummond. First of all, and you know this, I I don't like Andre Drummond. Uh, yeah, I don't think he's. I don't think he's a guy who's going to come in and help you win. I, I said um, to, to a writer buddy of mine a couple of weeks ago, Andre Drummond is at the point in his career where he needs to get traded, not play well to the place he's traded, leave in free agency, sign somewhere, not play well there, get dumped by that team. And then at the next spot, he'll probably figure out, okay, I need to like accept a role and play hard if I want to be on a winning team. But I think he's still like – I think a guy like Andre Drummond is probably still – to sort of get it. I think he still needs to get run out of like two more towns before I'm ready to say maybe he's figured it out. Kind of, I mean, kind of similar to Dwight Howard, although Dwight obviously was way, way better than Drummond at his peak. But as Dwight got later into his career, he got run out of a few places and now has really finally settled into a nice role. A few. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like... Yeah, run out of I half the like, teams in the league. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, I feel like, and that's the weird thing with, with Drummond is, you know, I... Uh, he's not probably a guy you would bring on long-term to sign, you know, when you have Trez, like if you're going to do that, but it might, again, it might be a weird scenario that's out there uh, last minute if Detroit really gets stuck. But, you know, the salary, like you said, to, to send that up, would you, we'd at least be sending out what four guys. Yeah. I mean, I, at so, least. so with, um, with Drummond who makes 27 million, I feel like once you get into this range, if you're going to put this much of a package together to go get someone like I would really be banging down the doors of Toronto and Oklahoma city about Gasol and Ibaka and Adams. And I would give a lot more value to get one of those guys than I would give to get Andre Drummond, but to make a bid for a guy like Drummond who makes over $27 million, the Clippers would have to send out like roughly 21 and a half million. Um, and so not to, I'm not going to try to do the math out loud, but basically that means including one Harkless plus one of Lou Williams, Montrose Harrell, Zubats. 
plus no. then maybe McRuder yeah. or Robinson. Yeah. And and I'm just at the yeah. point where, you know, if, if the Clippers can go get Steven Adams at twenty five and a half million or wherever he is, right? I would say if the Clippers can get Steven Adams, I would include Zubots or Trez in the deal. Like yeah. I, I'm not sure which one it would be and there would be negotiations and it would be based on maybe Oklahoma City wants to pay Montrez Harrell and so they're, they, he's the guy they want. Maybe Zubats is way more value to the, valuable to them because of his age and his contract. But that's a negotiation I would have with Oklahoma City because Steven Adams is Steven Adams. You know, he's a guy who you trust, right? Andre Drummond, I just don't feel good enough about to say necessarily that I'm on board with putting Trez or – I mean, it, it, let's say the deal was like Harkless, Harrell, and Jerome Robinson for Andre Drummond straight up. Would you do that trade? No. No. I don't I don't, I don't think so either. I think I I think I would rather no. stick with what the Clippers have. But um but I mean that's I think you're right to say that that might be a deal that's available to the Clippers. Um, yeah. That that that's and that's again the, the center market is just it's it's such a weird uh, weird, weird area, and that's why it's like again. You know, I know we we're going to talk about this soon, but OKC and you have OKC and Toronto, who we thought would be somewhat of sellers, and they've got three big guys that the Clippers could definitely use. <laughs> Let me. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a name that I don't think you and I have talked about at all, at least this year. Um, I want to see what you think, Marvin Williams from Charlotte. What are you thinking there? I like the idea of Marvin Williams. I just don't know on that contract if if that if that does much. I mean, what's he make? He, he makes what 12 a year? He, he's he's in the I last mean, year of his deal, so you're not you know stuck with him, but he is making 15 million dollars this year. So it, it is a deal where Mo Harkless has to go out. Um, but what I'm thinking is Mo Harkless has more value than Marvin Williams, right? Charlotte, with where they are in building a young team and building a very bad team, Marvin Williams is 33, Mo Harkless is 26. It makes that deal to me is sort of a, you know, I guess unless someone else is coming along and offering them like something and a second round pick, maybe we give them a second round pick. I don't know. But um, for me, what you get with Marvin Williams is a guy who he doesn't defend the perimeter as well as Harkless does, but he's a really, really solid defender. He has been his whole career. He's a better shooter than Mo Harkless, 38% this year. And as he's getting older, he's playing some small ball five. So he played about 22% of his minutes at center last season. He played, he's playing about a third of his minutes at center this season for Charlotte. Charlotte has been, you know, it's low bar to clear because Charlotte's has not been a good team for, for a while, but Charlotte has been better with him on the floor than off the floor each of the last two seasons. And he's a guy that maybe, maybe if you're thinking outside the box or if you're thinking, well, we're going to be playing Jermichael Green or Marcus Morris as our small ball five. Well, maybe Marvin Williams is a guy that defensively you can say you have that little bit of extra trust in to come in, replace Mo Harkless, hit threes as the starting four, but also slide into that sort of small ball five slot, maybe even be better than Jermichael Green was in that role for the Clippers last postseason. I, I would do that in a heartbeat. 
I mean, I, I've always liked the idea of Marvin Williams, who always been the salary, and and yeah. the fact that he was drafted before Chris Paul, so he always will be, you know, <laughs> considered, even though he's not a bust, you know, considered a bust to some extent. Um, but I, I would do that. I mean, I, I do feel that not having that offensive firepower from Mo, we're really starting to to, to feel it. And especially when, mm-hmm. uh, when, when we go through, as we've gone through these injuries and we've gone through a little management, we need more from these guys, from the Magruders, from the Harklesses to give us that 15 points, you know, not consistently, but like to get that eruption every other game or every few games. Marvin Williams is a, is a veteran player that, He's never been on a he's never been on a competitive team. Has he even made the playoffs? Well, Atlanta, Atlanta, oh, all those Atlanta teams Hawks, early in his Hawks, career. The Hawks, yeah, 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 yeah. And the Charlotte, Charlotte yeah, made um, Charlotte had one year with Kemba where they made it with Kemba, yeah. But I, you know, I would do that. I think that's a sneaky under the radar deal that I, that if I, I I would call them about that. I mean, again, Mo being that chip, you know, because he makes eleven million that that really kind of uh, ties any big deals together, but that, that that's an upgrade. And I feel really actually fits the culture of this team because you're getting, you're getting another type of, you, you, you I don't want to say you're getting Iggy light, but you're getting a guy that like, you know, you're actually going to get more from probably offensively than Iggy um, and has probably more in the tank at this point too. So I, I feel that that would be, an upgrade from Mo, and it could definitely keep you away from trading that first round pick, wouldn't you think? Yeah, there's no way that that you, you know, the clip because of the salaries, the Clips have to throw something in there. I don't know if Jerome Robinson is it. You might do mm-hmm. because you're getting you're get. I mean, if you think about it, the guy you're getting is Marvin Williams, so maybe you do Harkless and Patrick Patterson because like there's Patrick Patterson's not giving you anything that Marvin Williams isn't going to give you, right? Um, so maybe, maybe yeah. it's Harkless and Patrick Patterson for Marvin Williams. Maybe you have to give Charlotte a second-round pick, but there's no way a first-round pick is going for Marvin Williams. And on the flip side, I kind of feel like the Clippers would almost definitely have to give their first-round pick to go get a guy like Marcus Morris. And you know, mm-hmm. maybe that, that's an interesting choice for the Clippers to make as they are definitively in win-now mode, but still adding a player in the first round in – um, in June this year, this, we're not talking about their 2025 first round draft pick. We're talking about a, a pick right now. So I don't know what it, let's say two deals on the table. It's 2:59 PM Eastern time on February 6th. You're Lawrence Frank in your left hand. You got a phone dialed to the Knicks. That's going to do Morris for Harkless Robinson in a first. And in your right hand, you've got a phone dialed to the Hornets that's going to do Marvin Williams for Harkless Patterson in a second. Which phone are you picking up? Um, oh, God. I'm still <laughs> probably going Morris. I'm still probably going Morris just yeah. because I feel like you're getting in the playoffs. You know, he, he, this is a guy that's he's guarded LeBron on the playoffs. He's been big for the Celtics the last couple of years. You know exactly what you're getting. I, I think – I think Marvin Williams is a phenomenal plan B settle that actually mm-hmm. gives you more than what we currently have. And would, would probably give you more firepower than Iggy uh, from scoring and, and three-point shooting standpoint. But 
I, 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 I was just thinking, and I know I said this early in the show, I feel like what, remember what they, we all know what Golden State did for years when they had the, the best lineups and they just, we could, you add Morris, I'm not saying, again, I'm not making him sound like he's a superstar, but he's a very, very top tier role player that does a lot of, a lot of things and he can score. I feel like you can, you can run out these lineups with, you know, Morris, Kawhi, PG, Bev, you know, Shaman, you know, all these different versions. And, and there are no teams that can defend that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, think mm-hmm. about it. You're then saying to the Nuggets, the Lakers, that if you, you get in a series with the Lakers and you throw those types of lineups out on them, they're screwed. They don't, one, they don't have the, 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 the perimeter def, the defense. And two, those big guys are, are, are this outside of Davis are going to be pretty useless. You know, I, I think that that is one, one thing the Clippers, you know, again, should look into once they get in the postseason, especially if you acquire Mar- uh, Mar- Marcus Morris or, or even a, Mar- uh, a Marvin Williams. Um, it, because that, that is our problem with Mo, is that you know he kind of is a black hole. Wouldn't, wouldn't you agree on that? I don't know if black hole is the word that I would, I would use for Mo. Um, it's just more that he, <laughs> he's like allergic to scoring the basketball. And I, I, I want to um, pick up on something that you said a minute ago, where you're saying the Clippers kind of need that guy to come in and give them 15 points. Right. And I think maybe this is what yeah. like, um, you know, there's this article in the ringer today saying the Clippers struggle with perimeter scoring and the immediate reactions, right? Like, okay, well who in the NBA has a better perimeter scoring trio than Lou Williams, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. I don't know if there's a team in the NBA that has three better perimeter scorers than those three guys. But what the Clippers don't have and what has hurt them or made them over-rely on guys like Lou, Paul, Kawhi, and Montrez this season is they just are not getting, like you said, someone coming in off the bench and scoring 15 points. And I just looked while you were talking, Rodney McGruder and Mo Harkless last season scored in double figures about one third of the games that they played in for Miami and Portland, respectively. This year, Rodney McGruder has played in 31 games and he has scored double figures once. And Mo Harkless has played in 42 games and he has scored in double figures seven times. So Harkless is down from like one out of every three games scoring in double figures to one out of every five games scoring in double figures. And Rodney McGruder, aside from one game that he had 20 points, has not reached double figures this season after doing it out of pretty much one in every three games he played in last year. And, you know, points, you can't do everything based on just who's scoring points, right? But it, it does matter to have the, those guys who can come in and do that. And you know what? We, I'm sure if I looked up the numbers for Landry Shamit, it would probably be, probably be something similar because he's not had a great year yet either for the Clippers. And, you know, a guy like Marvin Williams – I like Marvin Williams, but he's not going to come in and score a lot of points for you. You know, um, Marcus Morris is the guy who will come in and there will be nights where he might be your leading scorer, right? Uh, I don't think he mm-hmm. would average 19 a game on the Clippers because he wouldn't get quite as many shots as he's getting in New York. But he showed even against the Clippers just a couple weeks ago, he can go off for 38 points in a game, right? He scored 20 or more 19 times this season. So more than half of his games, he's had more than 20 points. That's maybe a little bit of, of the kind of explosive score that the Clippers need to add. So I probably agree with you that 
I would take Morris even if it meant even if it cost Jerome and a first rounder instead of maybe Patrick Patterson in the second rounder. But there's another thing to consider when we're talking about any of these guys that the Clippers could be targeting. And I think that is what are other teams offering, right? Because we know with Iguodala, the Clippers would love to sit back and not even call Memphis and let the trade deadline pass. Hopefully Memphis buys him out if they can't move him at the deadline and then try to pitch him on joining on a rest of season deal instead of trading for him. Now, I, I think that enough teams are interested in Iguodala that he will get moved at the deadline. And I don't think that it, he brings enough value for the Clippers for them to get in on that conversation. But the question that I think you have to ask when you're looking at whoever is going to be available for the Clippers, because we talk about Adams might not be available. Gasol might not be available. Who can you make calls for? Right? Well, who else is making calls on those guys? So like, I, what, what do you think about like the sort of the landscape of trade deadline buyers this year? Like, are, are there other teams that are just going to beat the Clippers' offers? I mean, the only two teams I feel like in the West that can really beat your offers are uh, that, that are semi-contenders, and they're not even contenders, are OKC and New Orleans. Mm-hmm. But, they're, but they're both probably realistically built for long-term moves in the summer if it's a Bradley Beal or a Carl Anthony Towns because they have so many assets and different pieces. And I, I think back, at, you know, in the East, you mentioned when we were talking Miami could be another one um, and Toronto possibly could be to kind of add subtract. Um, but if you're looking at the contenders, we know the Lakers have everyone on a tra- no trade clause. <laughs> it's just ridiculous so, and no picks. So that's one. Um, so we know that, that they would need to get Iggy on a dot buyout. And, and then anyone um, – like Stephen A. Smith that thinks that you can just trade Kuzma for Devin Booker or Kuzma for Bogdanovich, um, you're a moron, and stop <laughs> watching basketball and start looking at a salary cap. It's basic math. Just pull it up on your phone. Um, but or if, if you I, think I, they could trade Kuzma for Booker, you might need to start watching basketball. Exactly. Like, you, know, you, might need to, you might need to learn exactly. how math works and learn how basketball works. Um, I mean, it, it, it's ridiculous. But, you know, they live in a, also in an alternative universe as Laker fans. But um, you, the Lakers are, are very tied. They're going to live on the buyout market. Isn't that safe to say? Like, that, that's, you know, um, so you, you have it's a Lakers. Gonna be, it's going to be hard for the, them. Yeah. Oh, very hard. Very hard. Um, then you're looking at, at the Nuggets. If you look at the Nuggets, anything big that they would do would have to be MPG, MPJ related, correct? Wouldn't you think? And then they do have an expiring in Jeremy Grant. And I believe I think I think Millsap's on a two-year deal. I could be wrong. Um, well, I, I wonder. But, I wonder if Denver could could try to look to move. I mean, I don't know. I I my feeling with Denver is obviously Jamal Murray is a guy who they're really committed to. They just gave him the five-year max, so that contract's not really movable anyway. But between like Gary Harris and Will Barton, um, I could see them them trying to move one of those guys, if they think it's going to get them an upgrade on like a bigger wing, you know I mean? Denver kind of mm-hmm. Denver's solid inside and they've got good young guard play and a lot of guys that can switch out at guard. But I feel like if they could get a bigger wing, they might go for that. The other thing is um, they've got that, that 14 million Mason Plumley expiring. And I wonder, uh, if, I wonder if they might try to yeah. do, if, if they might try to put so that you- with maybe a first round pick 
to go and get a guy like Andre Iguodala. Denver is a team for me that, that I think really makes a lot of sense to go chase Iguodala because they just do not have like Iguodala. You know, I don't, I don't think the Clippers chase Iguodala because they already have two amazing big wings. But if you're a team that doesn't have amazing big wings and you're going to have to play against the Clippers in the playoffs, Iguodala is the guy that you go, oh man, we really need to go get that guy because he's going to be like, he's immediately going to come to Denver, for example, and be like their best option to use against Kawhi Leonard. Well, and I agree with you. And that's the thing with Denver. I think besides late in games in the playoffs, but that's a whole nother story, um, you know, with Jokic and and, uh, Murray, but um, you have Beasley, you have Murray, you have um, Craig, you have uh, Barton. These are a lot of like interchangeable guard pieces. So you you really don't have that wing factor. So maybe if you could, like you said, package one of the package Plumley, um, but then you're, you're, you have a gaping hole. I mean, because Plumley is well, I mean, Jokic is going to play forty at, minutes in the playoffs. Yeah, he is. He is. Um, like, I think between Jokic but, and Grant, they would be they could be covered at center. Maybe they go add you know add a buyout guy to just shore up the weakness a little bit there. But I mean, I, I think to me Plumley feels like the spare part in Denver. I know he's important to what they do. I know they mm-hmm. play him and Jokic together sometimes, but that, that feels to he me could, like, he, like the guy could, that you can afford to lose. Be, he could be dealt Lucas theoretically and get bought out somewhere. And then the Clippers could sign him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if he'd get bought no, out. I think, just, I think he might be good enough that if he gets dealt, let's say to Memphis, like Memphis might just hold on to him as their backup for the rest of the year. But it could be interesting if that, if a deal goes down with, um, I mean, let's say, let's say it is that. Let's say Plumlee does go to Memphis. Plumlee in a first-round pick to Memphis for Iguodala. The Clippers yeah. certainly would, I think, would be calling Memphis and saying, hey, you know, Mo Harkless and two seconds maybe. One thing to remember for, for folks listening at home, the, Clipper, the only first-round pick the Clippers can trade is their own first-round pick this June, in June 2020. They don't have any other picks available to trade because of the massive Paul George deal that has a lot of their future assets tied up. But um, they can trade a bunch of their own future second-round picks. But one thing to remember, the Clippers have Detroit's second-round pick in 2021 and 2023. The Detroit Pistons are quite bad. And so that, that, 2000, picks more or less. that 2020 – yeah, exactly. You know, uh, uh, Frequently, you'll hear guys and NBA executives say that pick 31, the first pick in the second round is more valuable than pick 30, the last pick in the first round, because a first round pick comes with a four year scale contract. The second round pick comes with a lot of negotiation for teams to be able to find um, a more kind of team friendly deal. And so I think, you know, 2023 is a far way out. Who knows where Detroit will be by then. But I think that 2021 Detroit second round pick actually has a little bit of value for the Clippers. but but no, so yeah, they, I think if Plumlee gets flipped, that's a guy they could call on for sure. Um, looking at the other teams, we are, uh, Houston. Houston has no flexibility, right? They're kind of screwed. Yeah, Houston's Houston is in a bad spot because they do have some movable contracts, or I should say, expendable contracts, right? Like you say for for a team like Houston. Um, well, Eric Eric Gordon is a guy who obviously is a big part of what they do, but if you could move Eric Gordon for Andre Iguodala, 
or if you could move Eric Gordon for Robert Covington, that fills a much bigger hole for the Rockets. But Gordon's contract, man, $14 million this year, $17 million next year, $18 million in 2021-22, and then $20 million in 2022-23. No, one no one's going to want to touch that deal. So no. you'd be talking about, before you even think about getting, you know, exchanging a first-round pick for Iguodala, you got to talk about, okay, but then what are you going to give Memphis to eat this Gordon contract? Cause they're not, they want no part of it. Yep. So I think Houston is a team that will have a, a hard time making a deal at this deadline. Um, one thing that I want to mention, because we were talking about, um, you know, sort of that, pl- that Plumley scenario is I've kind of thought about the potential for something similar happening with a guy like Sergi Baca, because we look at, I think there's, I love Sergi Baca. He would I, be great for a team. I think there's two teams for me that were sort of the presumptive trade deadline sellers coming into the season. Right. And that was going to be Toronto and Oklahoma city because Oklahoma city had kind of ended up with this Island of misfit toys situation in the aftermath of the Westbrook and Paul George trades where they have a guy like Steven Adams, who's left over from the old team who they could trade for assets guy like Danilo Gallinari, who they got from the Clippers who they could flip for assets guy like Chris Paul, who might be hard to move because of his contract, but could potentially um, get sold off in a trade as well. And then the Raptors post Kawhi rebuilding around Pascal Siakam thinking, okay, well, we've got, you know, the last two years of this Lowry deal. We've got this Mark Gasol expiring, the Serge Ibaka expiring. So those are two teams that a lot of people thought would be sellers. Both of those teams have been really good this year and are actually in a situation where it now seems more likely that they would kind of, turn into buyers at the deadline and go add a piece like especially Oklahoma city with that Gallinari expiring and all of the picks that they have from Houston and the Clippers and those trades. I I see Oklahoma city as a team that might say, okay, we're going to go try to turn this Gallinari contract and a couple first round picks into a a big splash. Um, But let's say if Toronto is another team that could look to buy right now. And I think, Serge Ibaka could potentially that $23 million expiring deal for Ibaka who's playing a backup center role for them right now. Um, so, you know, Gasol is the guy who's starting for them and Ibaka is coming in as the backup. Um, maybe they try to move Ibaka for an upgrade at the deadline. And he's another guy similar to Plumlee that, that I would love to see the Clippers try to sort of target in a swing deal where Let's, I mean, you know, Iggy's the easy example. It could be anywhere, but let's say Ibaka goes to Memphis for Iguodala. I would love to see the Clippers call Memphis and try to make a play for Ibaka at that point as well. Yeah, no, I, I, I love Ibaka. I, I, and one of my big things with Toronto, um, you know, even though we've talked about, you know, uh, Lowry or, or Casal or not, and, you know, Ibaka, um, I don't think Toronto is going to one now. Now that they're in a good spot, I don't think they're going to do much selling unless, you, like you were saying, like you you send Surge out and get something you you like in return because you you are in a good spot in the East. But let's not forget, like we took away their you know yeah. uh, their crown jewel, you know. So I <laughs> I don't think uh, um, that they're going to play ball. I don't think they're going to play ball with us. Um, but you know. I'm just really excited to see what really transpires because, you know, okay, so we talked about Utah. Does Utah have flexibility? They've moved, made the move for George Jordan Clarkson. 
Well, you, um, Utah, Utah made the Mike Conley trade this summer, which mm-hmm. um, I, th- that, that took a lot of their flexibility. But I will say now that they have Clarkson, Clarkson has been good for them, and they, and they seem to like Clarkson. Um, but he is on, on that $13.5 million expiring deal, so he, they can't aggregate him with other salary to bring a bigger piece back. But $13.5 million is substantial enough on its own that they could try to reflip him. But I, I think – I think Utah might stand pat, or maybe if they do something, it'll be around the edges. Um, Utah's a a team that that probably needs more bench help than anything. So they might be Mm -hmm. a team that is really active, trying to like, you know, package a couple guys on their bench with a draft pick to go get a cheap guy that's having a breakout year on another team, that sort of situation. Um, And I think they'll also be really active in the buyout market because they're a team that needs to kind of beef up their second unit. But um, yeah, I don't think Utah's a candidate really to make a big swing. That's my, my feeling. Yeah. And I, they just extended Royce Young. Uh, Royce O'Neal, excuse me. Yeah. So they can't, they, so they can't, uh, they can't trade him right now. Right. Uh, yeah. They can't so trade him. Yeah. Um, and okay. So which gets us to Dallas which you and I have both heard is a possible Iggy destination. If I'm Dallas, I wouldn't be buying right now. Um, <laughs> I just feel like you are what you are, and you're going to get in the playoffs, get in the playoffs and have Luka get his first taste. Um, I don't know if an Andre Iguodala or Marcus Morris or something like that. They have tradable pieces, right, salary-wise, but they, they're another team that is – tied up with their picks from what well, I understand right? I think between New York and, and Atlanta. Dallas, Dallas is a team for me that, that I think has sort of mismanaged their cap because I think what you mm-hmm. need to do when you're trying to build a team in the NBA is there's these little exceptions, right? Whether it's bird rights for a guy that you've drafted or it's the mid-level exception or it's packaging together two smaller salaries for one bigger salary in a trade. There's a way, there are ways to get over the cap, but in order to add like superstars that normally has to happen either through the draft and you extend them or through free agency. Um, and so the, the Mavs have put themselves in a position where they have this huge contract for Chris Stapp's Porzingis. And that's great. He's one of their two main building blocks. He's got a max deal. Uh, Luke, Luca is still on his rookie contract, which is, which leaves them with kind of a big window of opportunity when one of, when your best player is making less than $8 million a year say, okay, we have cap room to go sign another big piece. And then you fill in the gaps around them as you go. Right. But it's almost like Dallas filled in the gaps before they went and got that extra big piece. So they've got like Dwight Powell making $10 million this year and then $11 million each of the next three years. They've got DeLon Wright making $9 million a year the next three years. They've got Maxi Kleber making $8.5 million the next three years. They've got Seth Curry making $7.5 million going up to $8.5 million over the next four years. Dorian, you know, all these guys that are kind of – they're nice players. I understand why you want to have them. But they Tim are Hardaway, he eats, eats at that cap too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Although the Hardaway uh, deal is, is coming off the books a little bit sooner. But yeah, it's just a situation where it's like those Seth Curry, Maxi Kleber, DeLon Wright, Dwight Powell are all perfectly fine rotation players, but they are all replaceable. And what you've done by giving them these three and four year deals is you've prohibited yourself 
from adding another big piece next to Luca and Chris Stapps over the summer. And also, I, I mean, like, it's, an, it's one of those deals. Dwight Powell at, like, four years, $44 million, is a guy that you go, well, he's a solid player. That's a decent value. But it's also not a contract anyone's going to really want to touch in a trade. You know what I mean? Um, yep. And so, I, I mean, I think, you know, similar – Patrick Beverly is a guy who the Clippers are in a similar situation with, although the Clippers kind of were smart and they didn't give Beverly this deal until they kind of had the bigger pieces in place, if you will. But, like, Beverly at three years, $40 million, is a guy that you go, yeah, I mean, he definitely deserves that deal. It's not a massive overpay by any means. But there's not going to be a lot of teams who really want to take on that contract in a midseason trade. Um, and so I think if Dallas is going to make a play, they might try to use that Hardaway Jr. contract and convince a team to eat the $19 million that's due on it next year. Or they could use Courtney Lee's $13 million expiring. He's expiring, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's so you expiring. could do, but but, so, but 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 then, but I don't know. But with their with their um, with their draft pick situation, I don't know if they could send anything. Aren't they kind of screwed? They might have to tag on Jalen Brunson, who is actually one of their best bench play, young bench players. Right. right? And yeah, they they owe a couple first round picks from that Kristaps Porzingis trade that sort of limits what they are able to do in terms of draft picks. Um, and, and I think even for them, they would be a team that if they make a trade, like you said, it makes no sense for them to go after a guy like Iggy, who's 37 years old, right? Um, it could make sense for them to go after a guy who they think could be a part of helping like Luca and Chris Stapps win over several years. So like if they were to go get a guy like Robert Covington, who's 29, who's a really nice support piece, that makes sense. But like, like we said, I don't think that they have the sort of positive value to piece together a trade to go make a deal like that. No, no. And then, and that, I think that kind of gets us back to the, the Clippers because we know OKC and New Orleans, they all have plenty of talent and plenty of picks to go after stuff, but we don't foresee them probably buying or selling this season. Right. You, I wouldn't, I wouldn't see both of those do, doing anything crazy until the summer. So if we get back to the main contenders, I guess now that actually, you know, we were able to talk it through about Denver. We, we, I, I feel confident saying we have the most flexibility to get a Morris or to get uh, an upgrade, right? Wouldn't you say in the um, West? In the West, yeah. I do, I do think – because I think that, that Mo Harkless expiring helps the Clippers in a way that the Lakers just don't have a deal that mm-hmm. moves the same way for them. Um, I do think that Milwaukee could get in on something. Um, although I'm not as well-versed in Milwaukee, just being an Eastern Conference team, I watch them less. So it's harder for me to say what kind of deals they would really be interested in. But uh, I could see Milwaukee trying to make a move. Philadelphia is another team that, um, kind of similar to the Lakers and the Rockets, are just in a difficult position because of the contracts that they've given yeah. out. So the way that they sort of yep. gutted their team this summer so that they could give Al Horford that big contract and they added Josh Richardson who they probably don't want to move, I would imagine. Um, and then beyond that, the best shooters, <laughs> there's, there's, just, there's just not a lot of, you know, contracts for them that 
like, I mean, um, you know, they, they have Matisse, who is a guy that has been playing well and probably has value, but he only makes two and a half million. And yep. I don't know where it's, they don't have like a Mo Harkless type contract to attach a young up and coming player to, to go get someone. Um, nope. So that, that's, nope, I think like, that might be one of the reasons giant why, salaries. Yeah. Yeah. And giant salaries for players that they don't really want. Like it would be a huge shakeup to move one of these like Harris Horford Embiid, Richardson or Simmons during the season would be a big deal for them. Um, yeah. They, it's not something that it's like just, Oh, we're bringing in an upgrade. Right. So that, you know, this is maybe partly right. The reason why I think a lot of these names we're talking about might end up staying still. Right. So like a Robert Covington might not move this year. A Marcus Morris might not move this year because it's just hard to see where deals are going to be coming from good teams that won't like lock up these other teams cap space for a long time and will have value for them. Right. But, but the flip side of that concern for me is even if the Clippers aren't bidding against the Lakers in these trades with the, with a couple of rare exceptions, the way the playoff races are shaking out in these conferences this year, I'm just not sure how many teams are going to be selling because you look in the West and I think everyone down through team 14 feels like if they have a good second half of the season, they can make it. Now maybe Sacramento, Sacramento might be a little bit out, but like, are you telling me Minnesota in 13th place right now with Carl Anthony towns back healthy after missing 15 games? Um, and they just traded Jeff Teague for Alan Crabb, and they're going to go add a point guard before the deadline, according to a lot of reporters. So Minnesota, with Towns coming back from injury, going and getting a new point guard, you tell me they don't think that they can make the playoffs when it's going to take less than a 500 record to get the eight seed. New Orleans with Zion coming back and the way they've been playing lately. Phoenix is you know only two losses out. Portland three losses out, but with Dame you can never count them out, right? And then the Spurs, Memphis, like one only one of those teams is going to make it, but I think a lot of them think that they can. They, that they can and, be and that what, one. Normally, well, by this and, point and, in the season, five teams have given up. Here's the interesting team, the team we've hated for years, that they're one of the worst in the NBA right now. They're getting Steph Curry back, uh, supposedly in early March. It's the Warriors. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would call about Willie Collins dying for a second rounder. Yeah, I mean that. Well, wouldn't so, you? I, I no, I I like Willie Cauley Stein. I liked Willie Cauley. I've I've liked Willie Cauley Stein for a while. Um, the the Warriors are definitely an interesting case because they've got kind of these end of bench guys that they're probably not going to be able. To, you know, if they're playing well, the Warriors aren't going to be able to resign them because they're only they've only been mm-hmm. there for one year. Um, I mean, there's a couple other names that you can look there, like Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson the third, as guys who have had pretty yep. solid seasons. Um, you know, so I like Alec Burks too. So I, I don't. I mean, I think those are guys that they probably won't be buyout guys. You're not going to get them for free. Yep. But I think if you are willing to give the Warriors something, and the Warriors, this season is over for the Warriors. They didn't. This season was over for them last June, when when Clay Thompson got hurt, because we already knew that Kevin Durant was likely going to leave. So when Clay Thompson got hurt and Kevin Durant was out. This season was already over for the Warriors. Um, and they, they have certainly managed their roster as if they knew that was going to be the case. Um, so you put them in a situation where if you're going to give them an asset that they can use 
to build their championship roster back up next summer. Cause I think the Warriors, I mean, Steph Clay, Draymond, D'Angelo Russell may or may not be there, but Steph Clay and Draymond and whatever goes around them is going to be contending in the Western Conference next year if all three of those guys can get healthy at the same time. And I think Pascal's a rotation player for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm, yeah, you know, but yeah, but you know what I'm saying. Like, I think, but 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 what do? Because they're in such a weird area. Because you you have Burks, you have Kali Stein. Um, do they value them? Can do they feel like? Is there part of Steve Kerr that might be willing to say, "Hey, Willie, you know." we're going to get a second rounder from the Clippers. You know, this might be a better opportunity to showcase your stock because we're not going to take you, you know, will will Steve Kerr give that kind of face, you know, kind of leap of face to other teams or to, you know, Burks or Kelly Stein and not just kind of hoard them for their future. That's the thing is, I don't think the Warriors are in a position to keep these guys because anyone who's played well, like this is, um, you, you know, the Clippers always used to do this when they were filling in the Lob City rosters, right? Is you sign guys to these one-year minimum deals and you pray that it works out because, you know, you'd way rather have a Cole Aldrich than, an, than a Josh Smith, right? Where, like, you sign a guy to a one-year min deal. But when that guy rebuilds his value, he leaves in free agency the next summer and you don't have his bird rights to keep him. So, like, yep. Willie Cauley-Stein, Alec Burks, and Glenn Robinson the third. Colley Stein honestly may not have played himself into that big of a deal next year. Like the Warriors might be able to hold on to him. Burks and Robinson, I think, will at least get moderate deals. And so the Warriors could say, you know, let's say Alec Burks has been good enough for them. And they say, we're going to use our taxpayer mid-level on him. We think that'll be enough to keep him. So we're not going to trade him because we're going to try to re-sign him. Fine. But they aren't going to re-sign all three of these guys for next year. I'd be really surprised. Um, So that's where you could go. You know, let's say we talk about trying, you know, one of the tricky things about the trade deadline is keeping your roster balanced, right? And the Clippers are in a position mm-hmm. where if they trade Harkless at power forward to go get a guard, like a backup point guard, you have unbalanced your roster because now you're down a power forward and you're up a point guard. Or if you trade Harkless for a center, you're down a power forward and you're up a center, right? And um, Or if you trade... Montrez Harrell for a point guard you're down a center and you're up a point guard now you need another center so these kinds of situations are where a team like Golden State and there's going to be guys like this who are available all over the league for a second round pick on a minimum contract where maybe you can call Golden State and say hey we'll give you this this valuable 2021 Detroit second round pick for Willie Cauley-Stein you guys aren't going to keep him anyway right you've committed money to Looney you know Looney is your guy you don't necessarily need or want Collie Stein. So that I think that's kind of the situation where it could happen. But I think I think it's a that, it, it, rounding out. And I think that's the situation. It's it's funny because I, I think are the biggest needs as you know you pointed out center and point guard and I think I, I definitely agree too. Those are probably kind of your swing areas for the those types of guys. You know, like you were talking about like Mar- Marvin Williams, you know that might be, which I, again, I, I really like that trade idea. Um, uh, but so Len, could Alex Len, Len makes $6 million. What's it? Kali signs on like a minimum. But again, Len's probably another guy you could probably get for what, a second round in Jerome Williams. I mean, that, that's, that's the game I feel like they're going to be playing with a lot of these teams. 
to kind of, you know, fill the holes per se. Um, right. Wouldn't you, wouldn't, don't you think like that? I, I, I think that makes the most sense because it's going to be, again, it's going to be so hard to get a center that, that you can actually trust. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the Clippers make at least one medium sized trade with, with that Harkless contract. I think it is. Yeah. I think they're more likely than not to move Harkless before the deadline, but I think as they try to make sure that they have their kind of rotation and depth where they want it after that Harkless trade, there could be sort of a, let's say you trade, let's say Harkless and, a, Harkless and Patrick Patterson in a second for Marvin Williams happens. And now you're like, okay, but we don't have a fifth big anymore because we traded our starting power forward for another starting power forward. We lost our fifth big in Patrick Patterson. Okay, well, maybe that's where you say, well, now we're going to flip Jerome Robinson in a second for Alex Len, right? Those are the mm-hmm. I can see that sort of deal happening as a secondary thing to round out the roster. All right, we we are sort of uh, actually a little bit past our time, uh, so thanks for everyone who's who's hung with us. Mike, no. do you have any clo- do you have any closing notes for this show? We'll be back in the next couple of weeks to keep talking about the trade deadline. I, I think we made a really good headway, uh, kind <laughs> of you know in the landscape and it would but you know that, i think that was our main thing with this first episode was to kind of tell you where the clippers are where the needs are what the names are but not you know going through scenarios um like we said the biggest needs point guard and center you know um i still think point guard could be a buyout like a deli could be you know uh an ish smith it, it, there are a lot but next week i think we'll get down to We'll go through some tiers because we'll be right on the door. Knowing the Clippers, they're not going to make a move until either the deadline has just happened or we're asleep, which <laughs> sounds to be you know the biggest trade that Lawrence Frank has made is when we're asleep. So, um, but I do agree with you. I think that Harkless deal is going to move. It's just too good to better yourself uh, going forward. All right. Well, that is going to do it for the first special Lucas Han and Mike Jaglin trade deadline preview episode of the Log the Jam, the podcast. Robert and Shap will be back next weekend as normal with your normal Log the Jam programming. And then Mike and I will be back midweek, each of the next two weeks leading up to the trade deadline to you know, sort of refresh on all the rumors that are going on around the Clippers. Maybe they might, you know, they might even make a trade before we do our last episode, which would give us a nice kind of something to talk about. Um, But so, you know, make sure you stay tuned for Robert and Shap's normal episode and Mike and I will see you back here next week. All right.